Come on, let's give it up for Pastor. And uh, look, Jennifer and I pastored for over 25 years. We've traveled all of our lives in ministry, and we know the daunting fear that comes with a complete stranger coming into your house and speaking on a Sunday morning, all right? So, uh, but we love that. We love Pastor Cletty also. He's a real father to us. And so we just honor this house, amen. And uh, we give God the glory for each one of you. So uh, thank you for being here, right? And uh, we're gonna spend this time together. And I've got several things that we want to do. So we're just going to get busy and do that. And would you also please welcome my wife of nearly 44 years now, my wife, Jennifer. We, we met when we were, y'all be seated, we met when we were about 15 years old. And uh, people ask me all the time, how in the world did you get her? I said, it's because I found her when she was 15 and threatened to kill anybody who got close to her since then. And, uh, but we've, uh, I preached my first sermon on her 16th birthday in a little place called Foulmouth, Kentucky. It was all right. It wasn't bad. And it was good. So we are, uh, really excited to be with you guys. We're going to do a number of things this morning because I really want to maximize our time together. I really have, uh, some stories that I want to share with you. We have, uh, prepared some images that, uh, we want to share with you. Uh, And I want you to know that we believe not just cognitively with our heads believe, but we believe with our hearts. We believe with our spirits. We believe with our lives that America's greatest awakening lays ahead of her and not behind her. Amen. And we're seeing the Lord do some remarkable things. I don't have time this morning to go through and tell you the details of every story, but we have a number of images that we want to show you that we hope will somehow uh, fortify or undergird, if you will, uh, the, the, the heart of the message that we want to share with you guys. So we are uh, really excited to be here. Thank you again for allowing us to come. Now, so here's what we're going to do. Number one, worship this morning was fire. Somebody say amen. How many of y'all know that's right? Please, please do me a favor. Don't allow your spirit in this room to become so used to that, that you take it for granted. Because when you take it for granted, you begin to pick. (laughs) So don't take it for granted. Press into that. I love that. I love the words that we're giving Given, I love the beginning prayer. It's just really a remarkable place. So it should not be, it was not, I'll just tell you, it was not uh, surprising to me that during the service, the Holy Spirit, during the worship service, really began to minister to me uh, about Springdale and about this region in ways I really wasn't expecting. I literally took, took out my journal and wrote down things that I don't even know but by the Spirit about what the Lord is ministering to me. And so I want to share a couple of those with you right at the beginning. Uh, And I I hope, I really debated in my mind, do I share it at the beginning or do I share it at the end? 
And so typically if I struggle with that too long, I'll do both. (laughs) So uh, so you may hear this again. I don't even know. And, uh, but I want to, I want to share with you a couple of things the Lord said to me. One of the things, uh, Jennifer and I, we travel full time um, now in evangelism revivals. We're seeing God do remarkable things. We have traveled more international this year than ever before in our lives. We've been to Japan. We've been to Canada five or six times. Um, going to Canada again in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're seeing regardless of what you hear, we're seeing God move in amazing ways, uh, in, in, in great moves of God. One of the things that's, uh, that's unmistakable is that Gen Z, Gen Alpha, if you're 30 years of age and younger, your generation is being marked right now by the spirit of God to do things no generation before you had the guts to do or it wasn't the timing to do. Hear what I'm saying to you? So, so look, let me just tell you, if, if, if you look at the young people with a jaded eye as to what they are not, then I want to encourage you, let's never transfer our dysfunction over to them. All right. Okay. All right. That's a little heavy for Sunday morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm Rick and I'm your friend. I really am. And so, uh, but here's, here's one of the things I heard the Lord minister to me when I first sat down. And one of the things that we love to do is tell the story of uh, stories of moves of God in the past and how God moved and where he moved and what happened when he did. Uh, pastor, when he's praying, he's praying for, he prayed for an 84 year old mom. Is that your mom? Who's mom? Huh? Like that? So awesome. All right. Happy birthday. (laughs) Immediately when he said 84 year old mom, I thought of a revival in England that would produce 12,000 people being won to Christ by one church. It's a Wesleyan church. Won 12,000 people to Christ in one year. Because an 84-year-old woman in the church said, I'm hungry for more of God. (laughs) Okay, I wish I had better news for you. I don't know what to tell you. It was amazing. But I heard the Lord say this morning. It's really interesting. I've never heard him say this before. But I heard the Lord say, revivals begin east of the Mississippi. Movements begin west. All right, all right, all right, all right. I know it's not really good news. It's not, I know it's not really good news, but it, it, it's a little bit good news, right? <laughs> At least I got the intercessors with me a little bit. The prayer, you know, uh, uh, revivals begin east of the Mississippi. Movements begin in the west. And so I really felt like the Lord began to minister to me that out of this place, now you just got to follow with me because I've never been here before. You and I have never met. We just met pastors and them last night. So we are brand new here. So I don't know anything. <laughs> it is a good thing, right? But I don't know anything. I don't know the history. I don't know anything about it. I don't never been to Springdale before. Been to Arkansas maybe twice in my life. 
both times, 85 miles an hour, cutting through the middle of it as hard as I could. So that's, that's all I know. <laughs> apart, apart from that, I don't know anything other than Bill Clinton was from here, I think. I don't know. So anyway, uh, that's really about all I know. But the Lord said revivals begin east of the Mississippi, movements begin to the west. And I, I begin to say, Lord, what do you mean? I wrote it in my journal. I said, Lord, what do you mean? And the Lord says, I'm going to begin a movement of my Holy Spirit the west of the Mississippi are going to, you're going to see a convergence of ministries and streams and rivers coming together. And we're going to see some things that are dreamed of east of the Mississippi are going to begin to gel and come to life west of the Mississippi river. Now I don't understand that, but I'm pressing into that. So I begin to inquire the Lord. I begin to say, okay, this is during worship. I begin to inquire the Lord. So I haven't had time to process it. So let your judgment be easy till I have time to process it. I'm asking you to judge the word. I'm okay with that. But I begin to ask the Lord, I said, why are you showing me that in Springdale? Why in Springdale? Why are you showing me that here? Why didn't you show me that in, why didn't you show me that in Branson? Why didn't you show me that in St. Louis? Why are you showing me that in Springdale? And I felt like the Lord said, Springdale is like a Shiloh. 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 Remember, Shiloh was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Remember, Shiloh was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was stored until it was carried to Jerusalem, until it began this amazing march uh, into the capital city once again. Can I tell you something? There's a move of God coming that no building will contain and no ministry will control. Can I tell you that? Let me just go and tell you this. What the Lord has in store, what the Lord is about to do is just going to completely blow your mind. As a matter of fact, it's incredible what the Lord is doing. So I begin to say, now wait, this is an honest truth. I sit there and I say, so Lord, so you're telling me Springdale's like a Shiloh. He said, yeah, look it up. Did you all know Springdale has not always been the name of your city? Do you know the near the year? Do you know the year that your city was named Springdale? It's amazing. I've been in this church 15 minutes. I know more about your city than you do. <laughs> but look, don't feel bad about that. That's true with most of us. Sometimes the familiarity of the land upon which you're standing becomes so familiar it loses its mystic. It loses its wildness. It loses its history. By the way, your city was named Springdale in 1872. I believe it was. You know what it was before that? Shiloh. <laughs> well, I wish I had better news for you. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I didn't know it either until the Lord said, watch, uh, uh, revivals come east of the Mississippi, movements are birthed the west of the Mississippi. And I said, Lord, why are you sharing me this in Springdale? He said, you know, it's going to, it's like a, like a Shiloh. And I said, why do you tell me that here? And he said, well, go back and look at it. So I looked it up. I Googled it because the Holy Spirit, you can learn anything, right? And so I sat there and I began to say, okay, God, so what are you saying to me about this? So literally, this is what I'm doing during worship. 
I'm sitting there feeling like I'm just getting this massive download. So I said, Lord, what are you saying to me? Watch this and judge this. And Pastor and I and others, we can talk about this later on, but it ties in a little bit with what we're doing and hearing in Branson this week, but a little bit different than that. Very different than that, by the way. But here's here's the deal. God took me to 2 Samuel and God took me to the book of Joshua chapter eight. And in Joshua chapter eight, we find the story of of Shiloh and and Benjamin and all of the other. But what's this? The spirit of the Lord ministered to me that out of this plateau region, he's gonna begin a movement of the spirit of God that's gonna connect seven cities together and are gonna begin to form a, 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 a magnificent movement in the Midwest and the, the, the awakening of the heartland is coming. And so there's a, there's a heartland awakening that's coming. And you wanna say, well, what's that mean to you? Not much, I live in Florida. Other than, other than we have a responsibility, we all do, to carry the weight of his glory and the power of his promise into the land in which we, we love. So the Lord out of uh, Joshua and out of uh, Samuel was ministering to me strongly about your city. I began to write a number of things down in my journal that we will process up on leaving here, but I just want you to know it infuses in my heart great hope. And I believe that you're gonna see, and I believe we're not gonna have to strive to see it happen because what the Lord foretolds, he, he fulfills, right? And so I'm believing God this morning, even before we get started, really, I'm, I'm believing God for seven cities coming together in the heartland to cry out for an awakening in this amazing region that could literally become a tipping point for the nation, right? You know, like a seesaw, like a seesaw, the board that's put on a at its middle place and it balances like this and that, I believe this region could be the tipping point for the nation to move into her greatest awakening. Okay. Okay. All right. And, and people may say, but look, it's, it's, it's really a chaotic time. It's not really a good time for revival. <laughs> it's like we want, you know, clear skies and and, 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 and a beautiful harmonic political environment. And we want the economy to be amazing. Then God could come. No, God loves to come in the chaos, right? God loves to come in the chaos. He, he's, the, he's the master. He's the master at taking chaos and birthing, birthing, birthing out of chaos. It's just what he does. He births out of chaos order. He births out of chaos, peace. As a matter of fact, God has this incredible capacity through the eternal love of God, through the eternal love of the Father. He has the capacity to take the greatest of chaos and flip it and turn it and flip it and turn it and flip it and turn it. And he takes every season of adversity and every season of setback and every season of trouble, and every season of division, and every season of war. And he, he reminds us that, that morning always comes after the night. I said, hey, that's what he did at creation. That's how the whole Bible opens up. It was an infinite cavity of nothing, utter chaos. Uh, 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 the depth of a blackness the human mind could never conceive. 
And yet the Bible says that the spirit of God, the Hebrew word is tohu bohu. It literally gives us this amazing idea. I love it. It literally gives us this idea that God stepped out of nowhere onto the top of absolutely nothing and made everything that is. (laughs) It's pretty crazy. I mean, think about that for a minute. Out of messy liberal head up right there. I'm just telling you. So watch it. Stepped out of nowhere onto the top of absolutely nothing and created everything that is. It's a really a brilliant concept. And, and, and we know that the Spirit of God, the Bible says that the Spirit of God brooded over the empty cavity of nothingness and God created everything that is. The word brooded, it's kind of, it, it kind of, the, the word kind of, y'all ever been fishing? a lot of ways to fish. You can take a line, throw it in the, in the river, or you can take a cast net and go, right? You ever use the cast net? We live down in Pensacola and familiar with that. But literally the word is kuntanet in the Hebrew, and it literally means that God cast a net over an empty cavity of nothing. The spirit of God brooded over that, and he created out of that utter dark chaos, he created the brilliance of the galaxies. Okay, I just, I wish I had good news for you, but that's what he did. And you may say, well, is that the only time that word is used in the Bible? Actually, it's not. For the angel came to a virgin named Mary and said, guess what? I got news for you. The spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. You're going to conceive a son. His name is going to be Jesus. The word there, by the way, spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit of God was going to, in in the book of Genesis, it gives us this picture that the Holy Spirit of God was brooding over an empty cavity of nothingness and God created everything that is. In the story of Jesus' birth, we're coming up on Christmas, amen, by by your mother a present. And, and the Spirit of God said, cast a net over Mary. The Spirit of God tremulated, trim, became tremulous over her, and she conceived an only begotten Son of God. And it's like, but, but look, out of, the, out of the exodus, God took utter chaos and bondage, and he began to birth the greatest deliverance of humankind, right? He did that in Jesus. Guess what? He's doing it again. God's not intimidated by the trouble. God's not intimidated by the trouble. God's not alarmed by the chaos. God's not put off by the slandering or the cursing. God's about to brood over a generation. (laughs) He's gonna brood over regions. And God's going to begin to be there. Anytime, by the way, you find that word in the scripture, God's always creating and doing something brand new in the earth. And I want to tell you something. God's doing something brand new. He's doing something beautiful on the earth. It may not feel like it. You got to wrestle your mind. You got to wrestle your emotions into alignment and agreement with the word. But I'm just telling you, God is up to something. So we just, uh, we take that word and I believe out of this house, which is a Shiloh, that the spirit of God has found in your pastor a faithful son. (laughs) 
He's the full brother of Joseph who's going to be used mightily to rescue a generation out of this, out of this, out of this. What do they call it? What? <laughs> this is so much more fun than preparing three points in a poem and getting up and singing for y'all or something. <laughs> you don't really want me doing that because I sing songs that people don't know. Like, uh, you know, my wife and I were, well, she was born in the sophisticated part of Kentucky. She's proud of that. <laughs> We've traveled everywhere together. We was coming down the road yesterday. You know what she said to me? You know what my woman said to me? She said, look, you can call me city slicker. I'm okay being a city slicker. <laughs> I'm like, okay, city slicker. <laughs> Let's go on to Springdale, right? I wasn't so fortunate. I grew grew up in the ugly side of eastern Kentucky, right? And uh, so, yeah, that story's too long. Y'all not ready for, you're not ready for all that. So, uh, (laughs) well, I got to tell it anyway. I can't get over it now. I I can't get over it now. There's an old man in the mountains of Virginia, Tennessee, and Kentucky. His name is Claude Ely. You probably never heard of him. As a little boy, he was sick, had, had all kinds of physical issues. They didn't even know if he would. As a matter of fact, they didn't believe he'd survive his childhood. He was invalid. He was in bed. His parents would go to, go to work every day and not knowing when they came home, whether he would be living or dead. One day, some man stopped by from the church and visited his mom and dad. And they wanted to give Claude a gift, so they gave him a guitar. Thought, what in the world's Claude going to do with a guitar laying in the bed, right? But he, when his parents would go to work, he'd lay that guitar up on his stomach, laying flat in the bed, and he'd just take his fingers and start raking across the cords, just raking across the strings, just making noise more than anything. But he kind of fell in love with it. And one day somebody came by and tried to show him how to make a couple of chords. So he could actually chord a couple of tunes, you know. <laughs> and next thing I knew, Claude was laying in bed playing his guitar all day and writing music that would really in some ways shape the whole world. It was through that sound that God healed Claude Ely. One day he was laying on his bed and he just started singing the song. He was, he was growing up in his deathbed. So... <laughs> So he only had one song. This is a song he wrote. wrote. This is a song he sang. He said, well, I went down to the river. What do you think I see? I see a band of angels. They're coming after me. Because there ain't no grave. Going to hold my body down. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Ain't no grave. Going to hold my body down. Molly Skaggs, Ricky Skaggs' daughter, made that song famous again recently. God healed, you know, Claude Healy. He ended up doing tent meetings all throughout the mountains and people would come. And one day a mother brought her young son who was full of trouble and woes and, and had no real direction in his life. She wanted to bring, Claude, she wanted to bring her son to a Claude Ely tent meeting in the mountains of Virginia. And she brought him. She made him sit on the front row of the tent. He was completely unimpressed. 
until Claude Ely picked up the guitar and he started saying, well, I went down to the river. What do you think I see? I see a band of angels and they're coming after me, but there ain't no grave. Okay. And the young boy scooted up on the edge of his seat and for the rest of his life, the boy, the, the man said later on, really for the rest of his life, all he ever wanted to do was play the guitar like Claude Ely. That young boy was Elvis Presley. So I don't know, I don't know how that worked out for him, but you know, Claude loved to tell that story better than I. <laughs> hey, let's, uh, Miss Cherry, are you, you ready to go back there? Can we give it up for Miss Cherry? Where'd she go? She... By the way, your, your IT staff, the people outside, Masha, I could name half of y'all's names in here already. It's like, you know, I've been so sweet to us, so thank you. But Miss Cherry or somebody back there is going to help me. So let's just go ahead and pull up. And really, all I'm going to show you is about 25 uh, different images on here. Because I want you to know that right now, we're living in what I felt like a few days ago, the Lord said, that we're entering an era of awe. <laughs> Our pastor, Pastor Clady, that Pastor was speaking about a few minutes, Pastor Phil was talking about a few minutes ago. One of the things he loved to say is, uh, when's the last time you did something for the first time? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm telling you, God's doing some things <laughs> that are so fresh and so vibrant and so amazing, so miraculous. It feels like the first time. But in actuality, he's always brought order out of chaos and blessing out of darkness and miracles out of hopelessness and revival out of shattered lives and broken dreams. I put this little image of this guy. He's, he's like one of my favorite little people in the whole world. Set my grandbabies, amen, all the grandparents. You know, grandkids are God's reward for not killing your own. Hey, amen. If I could just had my grandkids first, that'd have been a whole different person. But I began this because anytime we get around this little guy, he always comes up to me because I, <laughs> because I love him, I value him. He's just a little boy. His father was in the underground church in China. The underground church in China commissioned his father to come to the U.S. and go to the streets and carry signs in the streets about the love of Jesus because the church the underground church, the Lord showed the underground church in China that we would never do such a thing. So his father comes to China and begins to carry signs in the streets of our country. Says, Jesus loves me. But here's what I want you to know. Here's why I put the picture up there. Oh, number one, I really love it. <laughs> well, I don't really love the picture. That'd be a little bit weird. But I do love the boy because I know him. Here's what I want you to know. Every great move of God, every great revival, every great change in the earth, it always begins with one. If we took a vote on it, probably would never happen. We couldn't get the votes. 
But what God does in the earth, he always births in one. Pastor John Kilpatrick of Brownsville Assembly of God used to say to me years ago, revival never comes to a nation. Revival never comes to a city. Revival never comes to a church. That seems odd when he pastored Brownsville Assembly and our little town of Pensacola, Florida of 75,000 people that witnessed over 4 million people coming to our little town because of a revival. But he said, revival never comes to a church, never comes to a city. What he said was revival always comes to a person. God always chooses one. And sometimes you think, well, I know who that would be. (laughs) It would be the one who won the popularity contest. It would be the most talented, be the wealthiest, maybe the most successful, maybe the most brilliant, or maybe not. (laughs) God chooses to use ordinary, everyday men and women. God chooses to move upon the heart of one. And then it depends on how we steward what God does in us. That's what determines the scope of the revival that was birthed in you. Let's go to the next one. And we're going to go through these pretty rapidly. Thank you. We're just going to jump right there, aren't we? So 10 years ago, 2013, I'm not telling this story long. It sounds like it to you though, don't it? (laughs) 2013, I had a dream. And in the dream, I dreamed of America's greatest awakening that was going to birth a global move of God. One of the things the Lord said to me in that was a statement I've already said to you. There's a move of God coming. No building will contain. No ministry will control. What else the Lord said to me was, there's a move of God coming to Kentucky that will change the course of the land. For 10 years, Jennifer and I carried that message. For 10 years, we went all over Kentucky. Not because we didn't have other places we could go or maybe should have gone. But because we had a word. that There's a move of God coming to Kentucky. And that move of God is going to begin to shift the course of the land. So we watched for that for 10 years. One morning in February in a chapel, the Spirit of the Lord began to move at Asbury University. Jennifer and I were ministering that morning down in Florida. Immediately, my phone began to blow up. They wanted to know if I was in Kentucky. Most of the people in Kentucky think we live in Kentucky. We see people in the town where we live, Pensacola, and they're like, I thought you moved to Kentucky. (laughs) No, we didn't move to Kentucky. We didn't move back to Kentucky. But when you are carrying a word, Has God ever spoken to you about something? Ever. Ever. It's not a new word we need. It's a reconsideration of our response to the last word. See, we live in a time where the church is tremendously fascinated with receiving more and more and more revelation, but it's like we want revelation without a demonstration. And we need to steward the revelation that God gives us until it manifests into a demonstration. That's when the word really gets fun. 
So Jennifer and I that morning immediately made our way to Asbury University and Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, a little town of about 6,000 people. This is a school that's familiar with moves of God in the past. We get up there, it's not really that impressive. I mean, this is like day one. The, the auditorium must seat 1,800 people and there were maybe 100 students in it the first night that we arrived. The picture to the left really was from the first day. Hey man, it's, it's 75 or 100 college students in an auditorium that'll seat 1,800 people and they're just hungry in the presence of the Lord. I don't know. Probably that doesn't look either to you. Does that look like a global move to you? <laughs> doesn't me either, but watch. It's not how God begins the thing. <laughs> Sometimes it's how he brings to pass and he fulfills what he has begun. Look, sometimes God will just give you a little to see if you're willing to steward it into a lot. Many people who, when they went in there that first day, they would not have said, we need to keep this up. Can we just turn the lights off and go to, go to I don't know what restaurant y'all have. McDonald's. <laughs> I remember in Brownsville, during the Brownsville revival, People be slain in the spirit all over that building. It's crazy. They even called 911 numerous times because somebody would come in, see all these people laid all over the floor. They thought the whole church had been gassed. It's true. And at Brownsville, what they do, people would carry around post-it notes. Everybody did. So if their buddy was down on the ground, you know, still out, we'd take a post-it note and say, hey, we're out at the Frishes. Come on over. And we'd rip that post-it note off and stick it on their chest so when they got up, they'd know where their buddies were. <laughs> okay. That's kind of fun, isn't it? It sounds like fun. All right, let's go ahead. We got to get through these pictures. It wasn't long until day after day, the intensity of worship increased. No lights, no smoke machine. Hey, look, this whole deal, man, started with six college students, an out of tune 12 foot grand piano. <laughs> a guitar and a beatbox. No orchestra, no drums. I told the president of the school later on, I said, wouldn't it be amazing if the church has spent millions, millions of dollars for amazing technology only for the next generation to come up and say, we don't care about any of that. Give me five buddies, give me a beatbox in the backyard and we'll host the presence of God. <laughs> Whew. Next. Good morning, Cherry. Oh, there she is. There we go. So this is just another picture. This is the auditorium. I don't, yeah. Next one. Just in a few days, the auditorium was overflowing. By the end of this three-week period, 
the school would have to open up seven other, uh, six other auditoriums on campus. It's a little town of 6,000 people within a matter of about 10 days would have 70,000 people in this town. The mayor was begging people to leave. It's just a little bitty Kentucky town. I got two stoplights and one franchise restaurant and it's a subway and it's not a very good subway. <laughs> he said, we don't even have restrooms for these people. So they put a thousand porta potties up out in the yard and people be lined up. But it wasn't long until this happened. Then let's go to the next. Then they had six buildings full and a mile, uh, a line that was stretched two miles long. Next. People had no hope really of getting in the buildings. So they'd gather in groups of 100, 500, or 1,000, stand in the cool February breeze of Kentucky and worship the Lord. Next. Begin to spread to college campuses. The picture in the bottom left is at Pastor Cletty's. The picture in the bottom right is my beautiful woman. <laughs> okay. Texas A&M, Baylor University, Auburn University in Alabama recently has been baptizing three and 400 students a night. Next. Wasn't long till we noticed at Asbury that suddenly about day six, we walked into the room one morning and Jennifer stopped and she said, Ricky, do you feel that? And I said, yes. She said, everything has changed. Can I ask you a question? Are you willing to steward a little until the change <laughs> is felt? From that day on, it was like they opened up the gates to the world and the whole world came. It was amazing. Let's go to the next. This was a meeting in Canada. They invited me to preach at. They weren't sure how many would come. It's Canada. One night I was praying over the nations and I said, God, what are you doing in the earth? And where are we supposed to go? But because at the end of Asbury, I just started documenting and doing Facebook lives from Asbury. Within a matter of six or eight weeks, I had almost 9 million people watching my Facebook, watching my social media. You know why? Because people are hungry on the inside for hope that drugs is not fueling and sex is not satisfying. They're hungry for what they don't even, they're, they're hungry for the treasure that's in you. All right, let's go. Let's go to the next one. 23,000 people registered to that. Suddenly it begins to spread around the world. Puerto Rico, that stadium was full for three weeks. Go to the next one. Uh, Philippines, I met that pastor when I was in Tokyo, Japan, 
We're partnering with pastors and leaders in Asia, believing God for Tokyo awakening. That's one church in the Philippines praying for the fire of God like it fell on the Asbury University. Look at the next one. That's Jesus. And <laughs> We came in here this morning. I saw that on the screen. I told my wife, I said, you remember what pastor told us last night? She said, what? I said, that's their vision board. (laughs) That's their vision board. Look, the slides have gone kaput. It's probably good. Because I seldom do. I go, I'm like, a, go on and on. Let me tell you something. Whether it's in Japan or, I was going to show you pictures from Canada. We were just in Canada again, going back in two weeks. But there is a generational move of God that has been birthed. And I'm telling you, 30 years and younger, in that range, You don't say I'm 32 and I missed it. (laughs) You'd be like me. You say I'm 63, but I'm lying. I'm coming all the way in. I'm getting mine. I'm getting mine. You know what I'm saying? But we've seen so many kids, so many young people, so many college students, so many high school kids coming together in ways and finding the Lord. Recently in Oklahoma, we saw nearly 10% of the high school come to Christ and we're getting baptized. And it was an amazing move of God until the local church literally shut it down because they were winning so many high school students, they didn't know what to do with them. And I'm, I'm weeping as I'm leaving the town saying, how do we do that church? How do we do that? How do we stop the flow of the spirit of God in a generation? Because we feel like we don't have the capacity to house it. Let the spirit of God birth a movement among us. Hear what I'm saying to you. And let me give this to you and we're gonna pray because I don't really know what time it is and I'm nervous about the cookout. Uh, no, 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 it's okay. But here's, here's one. Oh, I'm sorry, got my attention, didn't he? Did you see that? All of a sudden, the, all the flags started waving. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hey, to the prophetic, all things are prophetic. I don't know what to tell you. You know, and to the pathetic, all things are pathetic. But anyway, so here's what I want you to know. The spirit of God is the spirit of extraordinary power. And God knows how. As a matter of fact, during worship, there was another scripture that came to my mind. It was out of uh, Revelation chapter eight. And literally, literally watch this. The, The intercession of the saints, this is what I feel like is upon the house. The intercession of this house has risen before the father as, uh, as a, uh, What's the word? As an incense, the intercession of this house has risen before the Father as an incense. The incense has been accompanied with an angel from the region who's carrying the incense and your prayers have been offered to the Father. Now watch this. And Revelation chapter eight says that the Lord himself receives the intercession. Watch this. Watch it. Don't miss this right here. Don't miss this right here. Because this is not really, watch this. Because this don't really have 
anything to do with church membership. (laughs) What this has everything to do with is what God wants to do in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life. And you may say, well, God could never use me because, forget about it. You may say, I could never because I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm, I'm too, I'm not blah, blah, blah. Most of us have discredited ourselves before the game ever begins that we don't qualify to be on the field. And history says you're exactly the one I'm looking for. Exactly. Why? Because he is the spirit of extraordinary power. Right? The little boy who was known as the boy who begged for his breakfast. A kid raised in a a violent home. His mother did not like her son. His father was passive. They lived in such an abject poverty that he would remain uh, almost in an invalid state most all of his adult life because of the malnutrition when he was young. This kid would literally go through the villages, knocking on people's doors, begging for bread. Everybody would shoo him off, run him away. He would often be at your door before daylight. He'd knock on it, he'd begin to sing and beg for bread. Until one morning, a lady by the name of Ursula Kata took him in, fed him, loved on him, encouraged him. The rest of her life, the rest of his. Nobody ever imagined this boy's life could amount to anything, really. Ursula saw something in him that everybody else just looked over. She saw a gift, a courage, a fire. That that boy would end up being none other than Martin Luther himself, who would lead the greatest reformation in Christendom. It's amazing. Preacher Mordecai Ham preaching in a tent in North Carolina. At the end of the meeting, he said, well, this week was a bust. Nothing happened at all. Only one kid gets saved. A 16-year-old boy, and his name is Billy Graham. Edward Kimball, a Sunday school teacher you've never heard of, took a class really to just satisfy a need the pastor had. But he fell in love with the boys and decided to lead every one of them to the Lord. One of the boys in that class had been a widow. His father had died when he was nine. His mother was a widow for 54 years. The kid had a terrible speech impediment. He hated life and his family and hated church most of all. But Edward Kimball found a way into that kid's heart to see something, find something of such value everybody else looked over 
nobody else saw something special about this kid. I can't tell the whole story. That kid was Dio Moody who would win Billy Sunday. Who would win Mordecai Ham? Who would win Billy Graham? Who would preach the gospel to more people in the earth than any person in all of history? The Spirit of God is the Spirit of extraordinary power. 